How many of you have ever heard the expression, or maybe use the expression, God works in mysterious ways? And sometimes it really feels that way, doesn't it? To, at least to us, we go, yeah, like I never expected that, or that just came out of nowhere. Uh, and it's mysterious to us, but it's not mysterious to God, because he's the one behind the scenes who's trying to enter into our life and get involved with, with, with our life. And so sometimes we're like, I just can't make any sense of this, and sometimes we don't interpret it right. And, and, and so we just want to begin today talking about how life can just be crazy and unexpected can happen. But in spite of all that, God relentlessly comes to us and he tries to get involved in our story. He tries to, to get involved in, in our life, despite the fact that sometimes life takes really crazy, interesting twists. So one of the things that happened in this little girl's life, her name is Bethany Hamilton, and you probably heard about who she is, and she was an aspiring teenage surfer, wanted to be a pro, and uh, lo and behold, one day a tiger shark comes along and, and bites her arm off. Uh, so it's become a very famous story. Uh, there's the movie Soul Surfer, if you've seen that, uh, about that story. So Bethany was actually in town yesterday. I had a chance to, to go out and meet her and her husband, Adam. It was really a, a fun time. But I wanted to show you, her, her latest movie just came out, uh, and this is not a, an advertisement for her movie, but I would say it's probably pretty awesome. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. It's called Unstoppable. This is the trailer for it, and then I just, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this for a second, so check this out. You think you're going to surf again? I think. I know. I looked down, and her arm was gone. Heaviest moment of my life. Bethany was back on her board four weeks later. When she was coming back to compete, we were all jaw dropped. The moment she paddled out, everybody on the beach was just spellbound. Nobody thought it was possible. God gave me this passion to surf, and it wasn't like that passion had been taken too. How she's been able to adapt and be the powerhouse that she is, I don't know how she does it. She trained her butt off. It takes a lot of strength and willpower to get that one success. It was May 31st. I started to go in labor. I've always looked forward to being a mom one day. Nothing was slowing her down. Tonight she's wowing the world all over again. For her to take down two world champs, the current world champ and a six-time world champ is pretty rad. Bethany showing people what she's capable of sends a message. She just makes everybody inspired. I just needed possible. Well, that little girl has grown up and become an inspiring person uh, to a lot of us, to me in particular, because surfing has been such a big part of my life. And so I had the chance to go by and meet her yesterday. Like I say, she was in town, and that's uh, Bethany and, and her husband. Um, actually, we had a fun conversation. Um, I talked to her about sort of the finer points of surfing and, you know, how she could improve her style and stuff like that. And you're like going, yeah, if you've seen me surf, you'd know what a joke that is. Anyway, uh, she, she was just, just a, a great person. I lo- love their story. Uh, but the reason I thought about this story as I was getting into this message is, is because something crazy happens to her. And then, like, what, so what does she think? She's 13 years old, I think it was. And, and suddenly, like, she's, and she's, she loves God, and she goes to church. And, and then, wow, that happens. And, and it's like, what do, you, what do you do with that? And what do we do with 
a life that has, as I mentioned, all those interesting twists that come to us. And like, how do we make sense of the, the, the pain points, the things that are going on in, in our life? So the Apostle Paul, you ever wonder why, why, why do we read all these like Old Testament stories and other stories uh, of the Bible? And, and so this is what Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says it this way, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, first of all, what do they say? That if you don't learn from the past, you're what? Doomed to repeat it, right? And so we look back at all these crazy stories in the Bible, and they're not just for entertainment, although I will say they're very entertaining. That's why I'm always saying you should read the Bible. It's like crazy, but it's real. And, and so he says, so we learn from it so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope, hope. Something bad happens to you, you know, and... and our stories are full of that. And, and, and so we look at one of these stories and we think, well, maybe I, can, maybe I can learn something from that story that will teach me something, give me hope. And so today, kind of the focus is going to be like, how can I learn to trust God, God's ways, his ways, you know, that mysterious God. We're still trying to figure out how does he work in our life and, and, and really turn my life over to him. How, how can I allow him to work in my life? So we're going to see this through uh, one of those crazy, interesting stories and it's, you're going to find the story in 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to look at the first um, eight verses here. So, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about the prophet Elisha. And if you were here last week, we talked about the fact that the prophet Elijah is taken up and, you know, whisked into eternity. And uh, before he goes, he hands off his leadership to Elisha. Now, Elisha is a great prophet. Today, he plays a role in this story, but he's not the prominent figure in this story. It's a guy named Naaman. Naaman is the guy. Uh, so Naaman, well, you know, he's a general. He's powerful. He serves under the king of Aram. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just jump right in and uh, pick it up. Now, Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. And he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. And because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram... And he was a valiant soldier, but, now catch this is really important to the story, but he had leprosy, incurable disease back in that time. It says, now, now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and then taken captive a young girl from Israel, and this, she, she also plays a prominent role in the story, and she served Naaman's wife. Uh, and, and she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So the prophet she's referring to is Elisha. And Naaman went to his master, and he told him what the girl from Israel had said. Well, by all means, go, the king of Aram replied, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of leprosy. Now, imagine, if you will, if you are the king of Israel, and you receive this letter from the king of Aram, and he just makes this statement, yes, yeah, so just make, make sure this guy gets cured of leprosy. And so this is the way that the, that the king of Israel hears it. So as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? So he, he completely just like, what, are you kidding me? And of course, Israel and Aram are enemies, and so he just assumes that this is, this is some way of starting a war or something. When, Eli when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel 
had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Okay, so question is, what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from this story? And, and the first thing that we see in this story is that God has a seat for everybody at his table, every, everybody. Now, why do I say that, and how does the story speak to that? Well, first of all, um, Naaman is not an Israelite. He's not a Hebrew. He's not a part of the people of the faith uh, at all. He's an outsider. And not only is he an outsider, he is a, he's an enemy of the state of Israel. As a matter of fact, he, he's been involved in, in really being a thorn in the side of Israel. So you would think, from God's perspective, he would say, I don't like this guy. This guy is really hurting my cause. But God didn't see it that way. God brings a little girl along into his life to help him and to bring him back to himself. And, you know, when, when I think about that, I, I think about the fact that this little slave girl had every reason in the world to hate this guy. Now, think about it. If, if you heard the story, she's living in Israel with her family, you know, growing up, and suddenly uh, the army of Aram comes in, and she's part of the spoils. They take her, they bring her back, and, and she becomes the slave of this guy, Naaman this big, powerful general, right? And so she's a piece of property is what she is, if you understand how slavery worked back in those days. She has no rights. And she had every reason in the world to despise him. As a matter of fact, to even rejoice in the fact that he had leprosy and to say, serves him right, taking me away from my family and everything that I know. But she doesn't see it that way. Why? Because she's a person of God. See, there's something that happens to us when God's spirit gets inside of us. There's something that happens when I'm able and you're able to love people that we can never, ever love before. And somehow, that little girl grows to love Naaman and speaks into him about an opportunity that she has. Like, that is powerful. When I, th- when I think about uh, 21 years ago when we came to this community, of this crazy community called Pacific Beach, and, and, and everybody and their brother was saying, Steve, do not go there. It's crazy. It's a terrible place to pastor a church. And I just, I just, as they were telling me that, I'm thinking, well, everything you're telling me tells me that there should be a good church there because there's all kinds of people that are wandering around this community and they just are, they need to connect, get connected to God. They, they need to know, and here's what they need to know. They need to know that there's a seat for them at the table of God. They need to know that, that God actually cares about them. God actually loves them. And, 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 and that's why this church is here. And through the years, we've seen a lot of people come to know God. And ours, our, each one of your personal stories speaks of the reality of, of God. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing that we learn from this story is we need to be aware of enduring our enduring need for God. And we really see it in, in this story. So this guy, he's very successful, Naaman. He's, he's a general. He answers to the king. He has all the armies that serve him. He's got everything going for him except for this one thing. He's got leprosy. He's going to die. And so you can imagine, you know, he walks around like the proud general that he is, covering up the leprosy. Now, what you, what I, what you don't read in this story, and sometimes you have to read between the lines a little bit, is this. Had everybody known that he had leprosy, chances are he could not have served as a general. So he's covering up his leprosy. Now, probably the only people that actually know that he has it, because this was an incurable disease. Uh, it was a contagious disease. If you had leprosy, believe me, in that day, nobody wanted to be around you. And so because he was uh, a, a great soldier and had armor, chances are he was able to cover up. 
And probably the only people that really knew that he actually had the leprosy were his immediate family and, of course, this, this little slave girl. But it, it begs the question, where is the leprosy in our life? You see, I believe just because we're human and there's, we're complicated and, and we all have a, a past, uh, that all of us sometimes fight a certain kind of leprosy. I'm going to call it lepr- leprosy of the soul. And, and I see it, you know, through the years, people walk in the door and they would never tell you. Maybe you're that person. You say, I would never, never tell somebody that I struggle with depression. And so you just kind of have the armor on and you protect yourself. You go, I, don't, I don't want anybody to know that about me. I, I would never tell anybody that I struggle with horrible insecurity so much I can't even look at social media because, you know, when I see them winning, it makes me feel like I'm losing. I would never tell people that, that, that I struggle with whatever the struggle would be. You know, we all have, have those, those struggles and, and maybe dysfunction in my family or dis, whatever it would be. But it's kind of a leprosy, and you just, we just kind of wear that armor, and we're like, I've just got to, got to protect myself. And, 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 and it hurts us, and, and, and we feel it. So this is what Mother Teresa said, and she actually worked at a leper colony and, and served people over in India. She said, the biggest disease today is not leprosy, but rather the feeling of being unwanted. I wonder how many people are walking around with that feeling. That, that kind of a, a leper, he says, I just want to be loved. And maybe not feeling very loved in their present circumstances. Maybe they've just gone through a horrible divorce or, or just lost somebody that they dearly loved. And that's, that's part of that as well. Here, here's, what the, here's how the Apostle Paul addressed this, and I think this is so interesting. Now, maybe what you don't know about the Apostle Paul is that he had some kind of a physical limitation. We don't know what it was. In fact, uh, Bible scholars have speculated for years that Paul may have had something, he might have been nearly blind. Some have thought maybe he had epilepsy. But there was something that was really, he saw as a limitation in his life. And so he kept, he did what you and I would do. He was like, God, heal me of this thing. It's holding me back. It's, it's, I'm suffering. Please heal me. And on one occasion, he prayed about it. And he said, he goes, I sought God three times. And then he's, here's, here was the answer. And this is God talking to him. He says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And, and instead of Paul saying, really, God, you've got to be kidding. I, I don't like that answer at all. Look what he says. He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, a lot of times we see our limitations as a thing that keeps us from being our best self or limitations that keep us from doing like what we like to do. And Paul says, it actually made me stronger. And sometimes we don't see that. For when I am weak, what happens when we're weak? That's when we realize our need for God, right? That's when we say, God, I'm, I just I don't have it. And God goes, good, now I'm going to show you something. And God gets involved. And it just it becomes so powerful in, in our life. It makes me, again... I heard Bethany Hamilton, she said this. She said, since this has happened to me, she says, I've been able to, to hug more people with one arm than I ever could have with two. Wow, that is powerful. So God takes the limitations, the leprosy of our life, and if we'll give it to him, then he'll make it something beautiful in our life. But what else do we learn from this story? Well, then we've got to be willing to let God speak to us through unexpected voices and people in our life. How many of you, if you're just really being honest, would say, there are certain people I have a hard time hearing. There are certain voices I filter out. 
Okay, I think probably all of us have certain people, and, and maybe if, if you're older, maybe in a general way, you have a hard time listening to the younger voices because you're going, ah, oh, they're young and dumb. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're saying. Or maybe if you're, if you're younger, you have a hard time hearing the older voices. It's just the other way around. You're like, ah, oh, they're just so old and out of it. You know, they don't, they're just like, you know, they're not cool anymore, whatever. Or, but but there's, there's somebody, maybe a person. So let me tell you what happened to me about two months ago. About two months ago, going through a really hard time and a really hard week and just hurting inside, just major stress going on in my life. And so um, I was reading something, and I didn't know who wrote it. I was reading something, and it was so powerful. I, like in that moment, what that person said just penetrated my heart, and it gave me hope, and I felt, I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then I read who it was written by, and I'm like, what? I can't stand that guy. I, I can't even believe that he wrote that. And, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was this big TV evangelist guy. And, you know, he's very showy and flashy and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I just had to admit in that moment that this guy had spoken a truth that just penetrated my heart. Chances are, if I'd have seen the name first, I would not have even read it. Could it be, could it be that there are people in our life that God wants to speak to us through? And maybe we've just, like, filtered that voice out. Maybe we need to open ourselves up a little bit. See, this is one of the reasons that, that I'm such a, a proponent of life groups. Because when you get in a life group, I guarantee over a period of time, there's going to be people in that life group that God will speak through them to you to help you. It's just such a powerful thing. So if you've not been a part of a life group, I encourage you to get into a, a group like that. Um, this is what Mark Batterson said. Mark Batterson wrote a book that I read a while back called Whisper. And it's about hearing the voice of God. And I love this. He says, learning how to hear the voice of God is the solution to a thousand problems. It's also the key to discovering our destiny and fulfilling our potential. But if you're going to listen, you've got to really open yourself up to listen to everybody and hear what, what God will say to you. Um, the other thing, another thing that we learn here is to be confident that God's grace is always free. So in this story, what happens is uh, they're going to go for, to get cured of leprosy, right? And what do they bring with them? What's in the story? gold, silver, a bunch of clothes. They're figuring, hey, look, if I'm going to get healed, I'm going to have to pay for this, right? And a lot of times when we factor God into our life and we think, God, I, I need something, we think, so what am I going to give him in return? You know, kind of a barter system. I'll pray more and then like, you'll do this in my life. I'll, I'll go to church more and then you'll do this in my life. And I, I, sometimes I think American Christians live more on the karma system than they do actual grace system. You know, karma is like do good, get good back, do bad, get bad back. But grace is not like that. Grace is God saying, look, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you good and salvation and all those things. And we're like, yeah, but I haven't been that great. And so in fact, I've been kind of naughty sometimes. And God's going, I love you anyway. See, that's, that's, what, that's what grace is. So we have to be confident that God's grace is always free. And we see that in this story. You know, it's really interesting, and we're not going to go that far into the story, but towards the end of the story, you know, they're, they're, they're coming to the prophet Elisha, and they're going, no, no, they want to give him a bunch of stuff, and he's going, no. And that's the example of God going, God's saying, you can't buy me, because everything I give to you is free. You can't earn it. You can't pray for it enough. It's, it just comes to you free. Well, something else that we learn in the story is we need to be careful of misinterpreting God's actions in our life. I wonder how many of us have prayed about something and then something happened, and we went, what? I was praying, but not, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Have you ever gotten angry at God? Because you just, maybe, maybe it wasn't even God. 
But something happened, and you were like, God got the blame, right? Um, sometimes that happens. And just think of it on a relational level. How many times have you misinterpreted uh, something that somebody said to you or something that was going on in, one, in a relationship? It makes me think about the early part of my marriage with Karen. So Karen and I had been married like probably 10, 12 years or something like that. And, and my, I was hearing something that my wife was saying, but I was, I was misinterpreting it. And so really, really busy back in, in that time, and I was gone a lot. Uh, I was a youth pastor, and I was in other jobs in between. So I'm, I'm gone. And, and to be honest with you, surfing a lot quite a bit too, because it's been a big part of my life. And, and so she would complain. She would, in, in my estimation, I would have said whine. Oh, she's whining again, you know. And, and so my interpretation was, and I would say things like this to her. I would say, you're not my mom, you know, real nice, right? Or quit trying to control me. And that's, that was my interpretation. You're trying to control me. You're trying to take over my life. I don't like that. Until, for whatever reason, one day, somehow, maybe God opened my heart up a little bit, I heard it differently. And, I, and I, what I really heard her saying is, I just want to be with you. It's not about control. It's not trying to, like, you know, mess your life. I, I just want to be with you. And when I heard it that way, it changed everything. I, I, sometimes I wonder, I wonder if, if God sometimes feels that way. Like he's going, I just want to be with you and help you and encourage you and be involved in your life. And we're going, quit trying to control me. And, you know, because we, we, I just want to do it my way. I think it can be a struggle for all of us, can it? Let's get back into the story. Uh, verse 9. Verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him to say, Go wash yourself several times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now look at the reaction that Naaman has to this. It's not a good reaction. But Naaman went away angry, and he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of his Lord, wave his hand over the spot, cure me of my leprosy. And then he's so ticked off that he begins to really um, put down Israel. Remember, he's the leader of an army that is the enemy of the state of Israel. He goes, well, are not Arbana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, which was today Syria, better than all the waters of Israel? So now he's really copping an attitude. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned around and he went off in a rage. Now, you have to ask yourself, you know, he'd gone this far, he traveled a bit, he's right in front of the prophet's house. Um, why, why is he so angry? Why is he so angry about this? I think that part of the problem is, is, is well, I think it's twofold. First of all, I think he's a very proud man. And instead of meeting the prophet, and he goes to a humble prophet's house, right? And, and, and so what does the prophet do? He sends out his messenger, his water boy or somebody. And he's like, seriously? I come all the way over here and you send that guy out? Do you know who I am? In all of his proudness and with all of his armament on and everything and with the chariots beside him. So there, there's, there's that thing that's happening um, that, that's going on in his life. And I, I think the other thing that's going on in his life is he's going to have to do something that he doesn't want to do. And that is maybe for the first time, he's going to have to take all of the armor off and expose his leprosy. So far, he hasn't had to do that except for with his family in close quarters. It's probably a a very well-kept secret 
Again, otherwise he would not be able to function as, as a general in the army. And so what we learn is we need to be open to God's ways of timing in our life. God doesn't always do it the way that we want to do it. Uh, and, and really, of all things, go to a river, and, and, and so what's that all about? And, and so here's what I see. Here's a principle that I see coming out of that story. A lot of times, I'll talk to people uh, about some really terrible thing that's going on in their life or some pain they have in their life or, or even really basic stuff. I, I give, I'll give you an example. So a, a few days ago, I was talking to this, this young couple that's going to be getting married. I, I've known, they're in their early 30s, and I've known the young man since he was a, really a kid, uh, just a little boy. And he's had a difficult life. He's had a very difficult life. And so as I'm talking to this couple, I said to them, um, so are you guys going to get some premarital counseling? And immediately there was like, nope, nope. And I went, oh, okay. Well, I was just, I was thinking that would be a really good idea. Um, you know, it, it, and I tried to soften as much as I could. But what I saw was the armor was up fully, protecting all the scars, protecting all of the past, protecting all the hurts in that guy's life. And he, you know, I got the usual rap that I get from people that won't receive premarital counseling. It was like, we're soulmates, you know, we end each other's sentences and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I just wanted to say, bull, wait till you get married. Yeah, you'll end each other's sentences and it won't be like you think it's going to be. But there was all of that defense, right? And, and, and I, I just, I constantly, I see people that God is, and, and he's, asking, he's asking us to do the hard thing. He's saying, I want you to take off the armor. And I want you to be honest. And if you're going to get real help, you might have to go find a counselor. And if you're going to get really help, real help, you might have to go to an AA meeting. And if you're going to get real help, you might have to tell somebody about what's going on in your life and the pain that you're going through which means you're going to have to expose yourself and all this going on inside. And that's the beginning of healing. And, and, and I see you know, a very proud man who's saying, man, I want to get rid of leprosy, but I just don't want to do that. I don't want people to know about the leprosy in my life. Finally, you've got to be willing to submit to God's ways over our own way. And this, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. This is probably the toughest thing for us. Because in our own way, we're all kind of little control freaks. Like we, you know, we're like, God, I love you, you know, um, keep your distance. But I love you. Please save me. Please help me, especially when I need help. Bless me. Oh, God, I want your blessings. But that control thing, I'm not so sure about that. You know, let's just kind of take it slow when it comes to the control thing. It reminds me of, uh, I have a friend, and uh, this is kind of getting back to surfing for a moment, but... Um, he actually used to go to this campus. His name is Toby. And Toby uh, is tr- on a quest to serve the biggest wave in the world. In, in 2006, he got the Big Wave Award by Billabong for, I think it was a 56-foot wave that year. Uh, I actually went to the ceremony with him. It was really kind of a fun event. But I'm with all these crazy big wave surfers. And so now, he, most, of, most of the year, he lives in, a, in Portugal. And there's a place called Nazare that apparently has had the biggest waves in the world. And so he's over there trying to surf the biggest, you know, record wave. And so I asked him one day, I said, Toby, I said, is there anything that scares you? Because, I mean, I, I would never, I mean, that just, that just freaks me out to even think about being in waves that big. And he said, yeah, there is. I said, what is it? He said, flying. I go, flying? He goes, yeah. He goes, airplanes, just being in it, flying, he goes, scares me to death. He goes, I have to take sedatives. 
And I said, so I'm thinking to myself, so here's a guy that's willing to get out and ridiculously surf, but you're afraid of being in an airplane. And, I, and I, so I said, why? Why does that scare you and not being in those huge waves? And he said, because Steve, when I'm out in those waves, he said, I'm in control. Well, at least he thinks he is anyway. <laughs> I'm in control. But he said, when I'm flying, I'm not in control. And he said, that freaks me out. I, I wonder if, if maybe that isn't a little bit what freaks us out when we relinquish control over to God. And we say, God, I, I'm really struggling. God, I, I've got something going on, and I don't like it. And, but we're afraid what God will say. We're, the, again, the mysteries of God, like, what are you, how are you going to have me handle this? And what do you want me to do? And I don't know if I'm going to like what you want me to do. But that's the way to, to healing. So let's, look what happens. Naaman, finally, he humbles himself. He goes, I, I just want to get well, right? So Naaman's servant went to him and they said, and I, I love the fact that they do this. They use a little bit of logic and they go, come on, Naaman, we're all the way over here. He says, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you to, to wash and be cleansed? And so he went down and he dipped himself into the Jordan seven times and as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and he became clean. At some point, he takes all the armament off, completely exposed. Everybody sees the leprosy. And I have to imagine that as he's dipping down into the water, he'd probably be like a lot of us, seven times, huh? All right. Don't even like this river, but whatever. So he's down the third time, and he comes back up, and he's looking at himself, and he's going, nothing's happening. Comes up the sixth time, and he's going, serious this is ridiculous and then because a lot of us sometimes god asks us to do something and it will dip down for the fifth and the sixth time but after that we're like you know what i'm over this but he says no let's all right i'm here let's just do this thing and he comes up the seventh time and everything changes the seventh time he's completely restored maybe maybe that's our story could it be that some of us are five-time people Three-time people, like, we'll go so far, but at some point we go, God, enough. You're taking me way out of my comfort zone. I, it just, it's awkward. I, I, I don't like it. And, and, and so for you, what would that be for you? What is keeping you from truly trusting God, especially as it relates to maybe some area of your life where there's leprosy, where there's pain, where there's hurt, where there's dysfunction, where you know it's hurting your life? but you've got the armor on. And God is saying, can you trust me for this? Well, and, and what would the next step be? So maybe, maybe the next step is actually going to see a counselor. Maybe, maybe the next step is just telling somebody, telling a, a good friend, somebody, a trusted friend or somebody, and you say, I, I, I need to tell you something I've never told anybody before. I'm going to tell you, many, many years ago, I did this. And it was the beginning to real healing in my life. I found a, a trusted friend, and I told him something. I literally, I had never told anybody before. It was just something that was really, really hurting my life. And for me, that was the beginning of some real healing that would take place in, in my life. It wasn't easy. Man, it was scary. I, I was so scared when I told this person about something that was inside of me and I'd been struggling with. Maybe, maybe today is a day that you have the courage to take that next step. What would that be for you? So I want to break this down into two things. Maybe for some of you, the first step would be that you actually 
begin to have a relationship with Jesus in a serious way. You're not going to play church anymore. You're not going to go, well, you know, Sundays I'm religious, and then the rest of the week I'm whatever. Uh, But every day you begin to follow Jesus. Remember Jesus said, follow me and count the cost when you follow me, right? So you say, okay, I'm going to take this thing serious to the extent that I will involve Jesus in all of my life. And if that's you and you're here today, you said, that's my next step. I want to begin to walk with Jesus in a way that I've never walked with him before. He gets to have control. It scares me half to death, but I'm going to let him. How many of you would say, that's, that's me? Okay. All right. Good. And then the next step for some of the others is you need to go talk to somebody. You need to just out yourself about something that you haven't told anybody, or you need to talk to somebody about it, or you need to go see somebody, because that, for you, will be the beginning of real healing in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you relentlessly pursue us. Not because you're trying to mess up our life. uh, Not for any other reason than because you just love us and you care for us and you want to be involved in our life and you want us to be blessed and live good lives and, and you want us to live the kind of lives that will just speak to other people and reveal your glory. And, and so I, I asked if there's anybody here today, and, and if they're really honest with themselves, they say, things are not good inside. I, I feel like I've got a certain, like a soul leprosy going on, and I need help. Give them the courage to do whatever they need to do, God, it, that they'll open up to you, and you'll speak to them, and you'll be real to them, and uh, you'll give them the courage to take the next step. God, I believe there's going to be some real healing that will take place in some people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.